Welcome back to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm your host, Jesse Bartholomew, and today is very special because I have a co-host today. Uh, Gary Lockard is going to be with me, and Gary, I don't really know how to introduce you. You're, are you like a ghost specialist? What? <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm uh, Bill Murray um, <laughs> from, you know, Ghostbusters. No, uh, I, um. Uh, I've been, so for a while, I did a stint with the Louisville Ghost Hunters, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, and it's something I kind of keep on the back end, <clears throat> and um, I'll go from, you know, I used to go with them from place to place, and, you know, if something's haunted, you know, the, you use the scientific method to determine it's haunted. You don't go into every building saying, oh, this is haunted. No, no, you use the scientific method and kind of deduce your way there, and you 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 get some training, and, and it's fun, you know, <clears throat> but... Uh, but no, so I went to several several trips with them, and I've been to Waverly several times. And uh, you know, it's one of those things that you know, people. It's funny because people hear you. You know, they hear that you know, oh hey, you know, you used to do this stuff. Well, hey, my house might be haunted. Can you can you come in and and help out? You know, can you can you determine if my house is haunted or not? But no, it's a it's a fun gig. It's really fun. You get a lot of experience, and uh, you just meet a lot of good people doing it. Okay, and you've you've been to Waverly four times, right? This was, um, coming up will be my fourth. Um, this will be your fourth time. Okay, yeah. okay. So this will be my first time. I think is everybody probably knows because I've talked about it before, and so obviously I am just over the moon, very excited to get in there. And uh, what I've heard mostly from people who have been there. And it's like everybody, like if you, I think I'm the last person that lives in Louisville that's never been there. Um, <laughs> but everybody says that it's not even so much scary as it is sad. You just get like this overwhelming feeling of sadness. Yeah, it's so I started writing a column and I'm going to come back to that. I started writing a column at my place of work last year called legends of the fall and you know much like your listeners you know when are you gonna do waverly when are you gonna do waverly i pushed the 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 first one of these things it's about the hopkinsville goblins on my end and you know the first one is the first the first 20 emails i get are when are you gonna do waverly when are you gonna do waverly so it's it's you know waverly is very it's and when i wrote it i described it as being very monolithic and it's to be revered I wouldn't say that it's sad. I would say that it's to be respected. And I would say that to put the, to put the history in front of it, to understand what the people went through. And yes, it is sad. And yes, you know, horrible things happen there, but you know, the, to, to these, to the spirits that reside in Waverly, they don't know of any other existence, which on itself is sad, but, you know, at the same time, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, I, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful or anything, but it's kind of neat that that's their world, you know, that's, that's their world. Yeah, they wouldn't know any differently. Right. And, and I think that it might be sad, but it's also a little bit neat that, you know, when you go into that building, that you're going into their world and you're, you're a guest in their world at this point in time. And, and I think that that's kind of, I think it's, it's more of an interesting look at it, I think. 
So before we get into what happens when we go there and, and what I have to expect, I I was thinking about tuberculosis. Um, I love like <laughs> I love medical history. I do, and I've gotten more and more into it recently. I've been listening to this podcast, Sawbones, that's really good. And um, so I was thinking about tuberculosis, and when you think about it, it sounds like such an old school like you'd think we'd eradicated it or at least like we could easily treat and cure it. I looked it up. 10 million people got tuberculosis in 2019, 10 million people and 1.4 million people died from it. I had no, I feel like an idiot. I had no idea. Um, So, but tuberculosis is the reason that this hospital started right or wrong. Um, Yes. So Waverly started a little bit as a schoolhouse. Um, So Thomas, uh, Major Thomas Hayes in 1883 um, needed a place to, you know, school his children. (laughs) Boy, did it take a turn. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hey, 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 Major, Major Hayes, um, in 20 years, your hospital is going to (laughs) be dilapidated and and full of sick people dying. (laughs) No, no, it's not. No, but really. but hiring, so he hired Lizzie Lee Harris to teach at the school, and she quickly named the school Waverly after, uh, I think it was Walter Scott's Waverly novels, okay. um, which, which I'm not familiar with, um, but it's, uh, it, you know, she, she quickly named it that. So, you know, right off the bat, you have someone, because you don't name something unless you, you know, fall in love with it, right? Like, you know, when you have a kid, you know, the kid comes out. And, you know, hey, I name you. I'm not going to name you right now. No, that's not how it works. You know, you name them. It's because you love them, you know. So Lizzie clearly loved, you know, being a part of Major Hayes' life and, and his kid's life. And so she, she named the, the place Waverly. Okay. And, and back then, it, it probably had a real different a real different connotation and vibe than it does now. I mean, it, it probably was a very whimsy name at the time oh yeah i'm sure it was i mean you know because you know the place didn't realize they didn't realize what kind of history was going to be there you know i i think it's interesting you know whenever you have major things in time you know major anything major periods of time you never know like what the history is going to be like uh you know the world trade centers you know when they built them you know you you, you don't know, you know, wh- how that story is going to end. You know, when you build Waverly, you don't know how that story is going to end. When you build, um, when you build, you know, on, on top, like they got a, they got a mansion going up uh, down the street uh, from where I live. You know, you don't know how that story is going to end. You don't know how any of these stories are going to end. You can only hope for the best. And, you know, I, I had to think that, you know, Major Thomas Hayes, you know, he didn't know what was going to happen at his building over the course of what going on two centuries now. So there, there was just an outbreak and they, the people in the community said, we're going to need your building now. Well, no. So, um, eventually what happened was, uh, so the, in its first form as the hospital, it opened. So it originally opened under his, under his eye in 1883. So at some point, um, and, the record on this, you know, I can't really find much information on this, but at some point, 
uh, the city bought it. And in its first form as a hospital, it opened on July 26, 1910. The facility had enough room for 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients to hold them safely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started as a hospital in a two-story building. And the hospital patients were isolated from the population of the rest of Valley Station um, uh, and as the world really as a whole. Mm-hmm. And the landscape of uh, being on the hill helped promote a calm environment combined with fresh air. So one of the earliest treatments that they could think of for, for tuberculosis was fresh air. Because so, it's a lung thing. Right. For, and because so in the 18, or 1900s, early 1900s, you're like, well, fresh air, that's got to be it. Right. So, you know, that, that's the that's the ticket. And it's one of those things that when when you, you know, when you get to the building and you'll find this because I know you're all about architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of the cool things about it, and I'll point it out to you when we get there, is how the how the building is is shaped itself. So it's kind of like a wide V. Right. So you've got like one leg and then it and then it kind of flattens out a little bit and then it's got another leg and and the facility itself it's monolithic when you're standing in front of it but the building was built as a type of treatment itself so the that whole middle part up on the third fourth and third third and fourth floors is all open window open air where they would put patients out on the balcony to have that air flow in get caught by the two sides of the building and you know channel it to the patients so it was really neat that they used the building as a type of treatment i think aren't there photographs of of that that part of it aren't there can't you oh yeah like if you look up online there there are pictures of that um that upper deck yes yeah and you know it's one of those things that's it's still there um because the major part so as the epidemic did progress, uh, the care center, it kind of actually resembled more of like a clinic at the time. Um, it was filled with 140 people. And that's when Waverly, as we know it, kind of was put into motion. Waverly became its own self-sustaining city, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for, for everyone to understand. It wasn't just a hospital. It was a city, kind of like General Electric. For those people that live here in Louisville, General Electric has its own zip code, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Waverly had its own zip code at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah, it had its own post office. It had its own waste treatment facility. They grew their own fruits and vegetables. They raised their own animals for slaughter. Uh, nurses and doctors had to give up their lives to treat there. If you were part of the hill, as they called it, you were a permanent resident. And I think, uh, you know, in in you know, these people, you know, the patients, they had visitation days and I'm sure, you know, so did the, so did the nurses and doctors, but you know, that was where you lived while you were there, while you were, while you were being treated or treating at Waverly, you were, you were a resident. That's where you were. That was your life. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't didn't realize it was, I mean, it makes sense, especially when you don't understand a disease. I mean, you need to be, I guess, as vigilant as you can, but wow. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, when you talk about, so imagine the coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we kind of had to deal with, you know, going into, 
2020 uh, and 2021, the, the coronavirus. So yeah. at the very beginning, we didn't know how it spread quite right. Remember, you know, that first is like, stand a million feet away, you know, communicate by, communicate right. by, by blinking lights, you know, use Morse code. <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's, I think it's worth noting that, you know, they didn't quite know how the disease progressed at that point or how it was transmitted. And I have a horrific example of that uh, later on that I'll, that I'll bring up in the show when we get to that, but they didn't know how this, how this transmitted. And, you know, and we had to deal with this as well. So, and keep in mind, this is a point in time, not far removed from 1918's Spanish flu. Right. There's a whole lot of stuff going on that, they don't understand how tuberculosis is working. All they know is it's the next thing, right? It, it's the next thing from uh, from the Spanish flu. At this point, they probably thought the world was ending, you know, because, you know, revelations, the great plagues are coming. Well, they just had the Spanish flu. And now you've got early 1900 people thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen now? Because now we're dealing with tuberculosis. It's... Uh... What a time to be alive. I mean, you have yeah. World War One, and then you get you have all these diseases in between, and then you have World War Two. What an exhausting time. Like, can I get <laughs> my flower ration, please? No, we need <laughs> tires, please. So, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, the the way all this stuff worked out. So the massive construction, right? So Waverly then underwent a massive construction. Yeah, it's a it's a big place. I mean, I can yeah. tell just by the photographs. It's it's very overwhelming. So, well, keep in mind the word overwhelming because keep this keep that statement in mind because this is going to blow you away. Mm-hmm. The massive construction to turn Waverly into what we know it today as the building that currently sits at East Pages was created in its current form uh, in March. It started in March 1924 and opened in October 1926, October 17th, 1926. So wow. in two years, they created that building. That, that's up there Yes. Um, there it remained, uh, it remained a hospital for tuberculosis until 1961, when streptomycin was discovered, uh, going into a little bit of medical history, uh, was discovered, which is, was a more effective cure for TB than previously used uh, izonazide and uh, pyrazinamide. Um, after so this people one, people were surviving. Yeah, they. So people survived. Not everybody that went to Waverly died. Um, you know, sometimes the, they were able to help the patients. You know, somehow. Surviving more, I guess. Yeah, and and there were older, there were older, less effective ana- antibiotics. You know, isonazide is still used today, and uh, uh, pyrazinamide uh, not used today, but that that certainly, you know, helped a little bit. So uh, after it was renovated and reopened in nineteen, so after all this happened in nineteen sixty two is when it reopened as Woodhaven Medical Services, which specialized in geriatrics. Um, oh, I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah. So in, in 1962, um, in 1961, the whole place was shut down. And 
because Waverly, you know, because the there was no need for it. Now that people were getting vaccinated and people were, you know, better antibiotics had come along. So they shut it down in 1961. They quarantined the building. They cleaned it, sanitized it and reopened in 62 as Woodhaven Geriatrics. That would be one deep cleaning they had yes. to do. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> Is there any of that tuberculosis laying around? Are, are, we, <laughs> are, we, are we good? <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's kind of the history. And, you know, we, we can dig deep down into the, you know, the more sad history. But that's kind of the history of the building itself in a nutshell. Okay. So what are you going to give me like some specific people? Um, well, like, it, you know, some, what, it, what do you got I, for me? I got numbers. I've got numbers. Oh no, no, that's going to be sad. <laughs> so the thing about Waverly is there's so many people that, that went through there. So many people. And so, and I know you like to cite the sources. So everything I just told you is my knowledge mixed in with the Waverly Historical Society website. So that's your source for the first part of this. Probably a pretty reliable source. Yeah. So <laughs> the, um, the, the next part is from ghostlyworld.com and as well as personal knowledge, um, as well as mixed in with a little bit on their website as well. So it's a little bit of a, a mix. And this is that. This, the, I'm going to start it off, you know, I, I, can I give a trigger warning? Can the guest host give, give a trigger warning? Or oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, okay. absolutely. Anything about kids, right? So oh, definitely about kids. Yeah. yeah. So, and keep in mind, I'm going to preface this by saying they didn't know how the disease transmitted. Okay. Okay. You're about to like knock me on my knees. Cause I was just, I'm looking <laughs> at pictures while we're talking actually. And I just saw one and it's a sweet picture and the caption says little patients taking sun bath. And it's all these little kids with their nurse on this little like makeshift gym thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, it was bad. So, so the children's pavilion, when it was created, when it was built, the children's pavilion, Cause some serious issues because sick and healthy kids alike, the kids of sick patients who were healthy, were all housed at the same pavilion. No, you can't do that. They didn't know that. They didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that this was an airborne virus. So what, I wonder what they thought. I mean. I, I, you know. Keep in mind, we're 400, we're, four, we're 300 years removed from a time where they thought that rotting meat automatically turned into flies. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, but, I mean, oh, it's, man. it's one of those things that it was, it was very, it was, it was an odd time because, and I can only imagine that they thought it was okay to do this because, Air, and I'm putting myself into a 1924 primitive mindset, right? Sure. So open air, nothing can travel. Right. Nothing can travel. And air is helping patients. So right. how could air hurt? How could that same air hurt patients? Right. So, sure. and, I, and I think that that was probably part of the mindset. So um they were aware of this though they were aware of the problem and the amount of dead people you know and and things like that so the infamous body shoot right 
I was going to ask about that. <laughs> the body sheet was used to transport deceased patients at the height of the epidemic. And bodies were flowing out of the hill. Multiple people, multiple witnesses, multiple writings indicate, and I quote, bodies flowing out of the building. Flowing. So, yeah, flowing. That implies in my head just like a constant stream. I, right. I wow. Yeah. So imagine like, well, to me, I even imagine something a little bit more morbid, like the Ohio River full of bodies you know that's kind of what i envision oh where so yeah. where did where did they go did they go into a creek well, no no uh, god i hope not now where you're gonna give me nightmares what do, do you, you what, what where, are you watching what did they <laughs> what did they do with the i mean the shoot yeah i'm probably getting so, ahead of myself here I, I don't know anything about where that shoot leads to yeah. so the shoot led down to uh, the wagons where they would, or the, the cars and the wagons where they would transport the bodies off site to the morgue. Okay. Did everybody yeah. get cremated? Not from what I saw. I, I see that sometimes they were cremated, sometimes they were buried. Okay. Yeah. So now um, here's where the numbers get a little bit dicey. Okay. So I'm going to throw some numbers your way. All right. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the local urban legend, and this is this is my part. Of, so I'm going to preface this by saying this is kind of my knowledge of the situation and using critical thinking and kind of what history says and what Tina, the owner, will tell us when we get there and things like that. So this is everything kind of combined with me coming out to a, to a conclusion of sorts. Okay. Okay. So. The local urban legend states that, okay, so w w before me even saying this next part, how many people do you think died at Waverly? How many people have you heard <laughs> died at Waverly? I, I truly have no idea. I mean, I would think um, tens of thousands, maybe. Okay. So, yeah. So local urban legend states that 100,000 people died at Waverly. Oh, that's, that's so many people. Now. Hold on a second. Hold the phone. Hope's not lost. <laughs> the the owners have told me at one time, as well as anyone else that goes in there, and you'll hear it too, they believe that the number to be closer to 60,000. Okay? okay? The actual recorded number is 8,212. Now... They just couldn't. They didn't have the bookkeeping skills. Right. So, now here's the here's the issue. Here's where I take issue with that low number. This is where it gets interesting. Um, I believe that since the record keeping was likely kept downtown, since those on-site records, uh, so HIPAA and, and records and legislation didn't really come into play until the 2000s. It is extremely possible that actual records were destroyed in the flood in the 70s. Because all that was kept downtown since Waverly was a subsidiary of the public, right? Or uh, it, it was, you know, part of part of the city. The city bought it. Okay. So if you take 8,212 and divide that by 30 years, you know, bodies flowing doesn't quite make sense. Because what? You're talking maybe five people, five people a, a, a week at that point, you know? It was open for decades. It was yeah, it was for open decades. for 30 plus years. So, yeah. you know, you just, when you hear people say flowing, 
8,212 people recorded dead or actual recorded dead over 365 days for 30 for 30 plus years right Mm -hmm. that's that's almost one or two bodies you know a day that's not flowing right yeah i'm with you so the the truth is probably in there in the middle i would say i if i had to take a guess i would say sixty thousand people didn't die at waverly I'd say it's more more around. It's still a big number, but it's certainly not a hundred thousand or sixty. I would say probably about forty thousand people died at Waverly. Okay. Yeah, I I would think that uh, with an educated guess. Yeah, it's still a lot of people. And don't get me wrong, it's it's a very sad amount of people. That's a lot but, of ghosts. Yeah, it's a lot of ghosts. <laughs> a lot of activity. So so yeah, I you know it's kind of where you know the truth is in the middle. The truth is in the middle where they tell you, and then where history tells us and of course urban legends and stuff like that. So I'd be curious. I'm still stuck on the whole, the fact that the, the doctors and nurses were basically living there too. I just, I didn't know that part. And I'm just curious if there's any record of like what these people were getting paid. Uh, that's actually a good question. I did not see any records that indicated that. Um, that's a good question though. No, I, uh, or if you know, there was an on-site therapist for them, because that would have been handy too. Uh, yes, there was an on-site <laughs> therapist. There was. Yes. yes, there was an on-site therapist. That's records, good. Records indicate that you know because there was a psychiatric ward for the patients. Yeah. Um. That um. That you know there there were therapists for what the the horrors and loss of life that not only the the medical staff saw but also the patients. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Um, so we've all heard about the nurse, right? The nurse that hung herself. The nurse that hung herself? No, I I have not. Okay. So you haven't heard of this story? No. Okay. All right. It's 1920s Kentucky. All right. So that's, that's kind of like saying. That's why she hung herself? (laughs) (laughs) Sad, but true. So the nurse gets, there's a nurse in there that, that gets pregnant and it's by a doctor and it's out of wedlock. So 1920s Kentucky, you know, your Catholic is all get out. You're, you know, you know, God's going to smite you. What do you do? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, so she, she kills herself. She hangs herself in the elevator shaft. Now here's where, um, so some people actually report that no nurse actually committed suicide on the fifth floor, but she actually did. Uh, the debate is centers, not whether or not that she committed suicide or not, but whether they found the body of the baby afterwards, that's where the debate stems from. So some people say that she was pregnant enough where the fetus, once again, trigger warning, mm-hmm. give yourself a second. Some people debate whether or not that the if the fetus fell out after she hung herself, and okay. and some people believe that it didn't happen because there's no photographs of it, but some people swear that there are photographs of the baby laying at the bottom of the elevator shaft. Not sure I'm going to Google that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't recommend googling that one, um, but it's it's a story that we're going to be told when we go there. Um, okay. so just prepare yourself for that. Um, it's, it, it's one of the more gruesome stories there. Okay. Um, but 
but uh you know we're not uh we're not done quite yet with stories so okay. <laughs> yeah so and that's not even the most crazy one i didn't even i forgot to pour a cocktail before we got started here oh boy <laughs> am i Am I driving you to drinking over there? Is that what's happening? <laughs> no, these suicidal ghosts are. <laughs> so, so, Waverly has kind of been, it's been featured in 15 television shows, right? Um, videos, EVPs, uh, everything else kind of uh, proving how haunted the hospital is, is all been documented. The ghost hunters themselves, they did a live uh, they did a live document. Uh, they did a live kind of uh, event here, Halloween, a few years ago. Uh, there's not an actual world record, but Waverly. Now, keep in mind, when you talk about medieval Europe, right? Some pretty crazy crap happened over in in, in middle middle eh, middle Eastern Europe, right? Oh yeah, or, they've they've got some some angry ghosts. Yeah. So even with all that history over there. And all the history in China and Japan and Russia and Africa, Waverly is widely believed to be the most haunted place in the world. Okay. Now, this is important because um, there's a new claim spawned by the Cecil Hotel documentary uh, featuring Eliza Lamb. Yeah. That Waverly may not be the the most haunted place. Uh, I think Zach from Ghost Adventures is out there, kind of started this notion that that the uh, that the Cecil Hotel is more haunted and is the new mecca of paranormal activity. Let me tell you something, Zach. Why don't you come stay again at Waverly? All right, you you were there once. Why don't you come on back and let's see how that works out for you? So. That's interesting. I mean, just from like a numbers standpoint, I can't imagine. I mean, I know that the Cecil was, you know, it had its share of tragedy, but come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of me, the, the old radio guy in me is like, yeah, that's a marketing ploy to get people to watch your show. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, yeah. what that is. Yeah. How but, much did the Cecil pay him to say that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to settle down on your false advertisement, okay? <laughs> just, just settle down. Um, all right. So are you ready for your creep-a-meter to be at, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, are you ready to, for it to be about a 25? No. Okay. Well, too bad. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> you, you can get as comfortable as you want. We're doing this story, okay? Let's do it. So, all right. So a big urban legend. All right. So a big urban legend is kind of that the treatments of the facility were inhumane. This is not quite true. While the hospital did record seemingly barbaric and ghastly surgeries, the majority of those were honestly trying to help last resorts to save the patient. So you may have heard of stories of people's ribs being removed or people's lungs being slit open or, Things like that, but those were act, and, and those were very painful. Don't get me wrong. Those but it goes back painful. to we didn't we didn't know any better. Right. And we, we had didn't know if any we better. didn't experiment, we could have never figured it out. Right, and and that's important to say because these doctors, for the most part, and this is where the story comes in. But for the most part, these these doctors actually did have the health and well being of their patients in mind. As hard as it is for us to believe in, you know, 2021, 
that somebody removing a rib might be able to help out a a a person with a debilitating lung disease, right? right? So these things were all done for the sake of trying to find the right answer. You did an episode uh, a couple weeks ago about a a doctor who, you know, his medical journals wouldn't publish his work because they didn't believe he did a surgery, and it was you know he was tying off the tumors. Uh, he, he, he split open the girl, tied open the tumors, right, right, cut right. off the blood supply and extradited the tumors that way. He did that trying to help his patients. Right. And I think you said, oh, he only lost one patient. Yeah. Yeah. So this is how medical science evolves. So right. it sounds barbaric a hundred years after the fact, but at the time it was new. It was, you know, and I don't mean to say this in a disrespectful manner, but it was new and it was exciting. You know, it was, it was research. So well, in a hundred years, what, what are they going to be looking back at of our medical practices and saying, you know, that was barbaric. Right. I compared mean, compared to the science we'll have done, hopefully. Like look at dialysis, you know, dialysis is pretty painful, but right now it's all we've got for, for kidney failure patients in, in, in stage renal disease. So it's ESRD is very painful and very barbaric even by today's standards but it's all you have so at the same at the, you know by the same token the same thing this part of uh in this part of history can still be said now at least they had anesthesia oh yeah they had a little bit of anesthesia back then you know can, they had good old-fashioned kentucky bourbon so let's not <laughs> let's, let's, let's so now Here's the trigger warning on this, okay? Because this does involve a kid, and this is a story that ev- – this is an urban legend story, but there are people uh, – like a male nurse at the at, that used to work at Waverly has come out now, and I think he went on – he went on anonymous record. Okay. But he was able to prove that he worked at Waverly, and the sighting on this story – is real live ghost stories the podcast with um, um, about their Waverly Hills episode? I think I'm not sure of the episode number. I'll get back to you on that one. And you yeah, can... I can find it. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, so a, a nurse has kind of opened up and said that this is how the birth of the Waverly Creeper happened. That he was present when the Waverly Creeper when the Waverly Creeper was born. Okay. Okay. So for those of you not familiar with the Waverly Creeper, it is a being that is believed to be some sort of wraith. And a wraith is a humanoid being, and I'm sorry about my voice. Um, It's a humanoid being that crawls on all fours that can go up, uh, crawl up walls, right? And it kind of creeps on you. The difference is with most wraiths, you can make out the figure with the Waverly Creeper. It's kind of like a black mist. Okay. Okay. You know how I said I was going with you in a couple weeks to Waverly? (laughs) Um, About that. (laughs) Just, just stay away from the fourth floor. You'll be fine. No, I'm kidding. Um, So, the um 
the creeper is is set to uh, is said to mainly inhabit the fourth floor, which is where some of the more malicious spirits are reside. Okay. Um, so now here's the story of the creeper. So there was this young boy, Richard, who was a patient at the facility, and Richard was kind of like a loner. You know, picture. What does that show? The Orphan, the, the movie The Orphan, where the kids got black hair, you know, bird, crows are his best friends and all that stuff. This is kind of how we envision Richard. Okay. And Richard is going through shock therapy treatment because, you know, this is one, this is an example of, uh, you know, that's now come out from this male nurse where a, you know, we know that this was a barbaric on this is an example of the barbaric surgeries that didn't need to be done or barbaric procedures i should say that didn't need to be done and this was they started doing electroshock to richard well the kids started seizing up and you know he he started seizing up he started biting his teeth clenching his fists so (coughs) excuse me and that was his first go of electroshock therapy well, the doctors that were present said to go again, do it again. So after a couple minutes, they lit the kid up with more electricity. At this point, the male nurse and the female nurse that were there, but the male nurse who's now telling us this story has said they started praying and, you know, just something, please help us, you know, protect this kid. You know, this is un, this is unsanitary. This shouldn't be happening. You know, you guys are taking this too far. The doctors ignored this. And they lit the kid up again. No. And at some point during the third electrocution, a black mist enveloped the kid as if it came from his insides and shot up into the air saying, you will leave this child alone right now. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, very malicious spirit and kind of protective though. Right. And it scared the doctor so much that everybody in the room, I think the female nurse fainted and the, uh, you know, the two doctors ran out of the room. Well, they went back to check on anymore. Right. I know. Right. Like you never see a good fainting. (laughs) And, you know, you're, never like, you're never walking in a grocery store and like, oh, hey, they fainted. You know, no, it never happens. <laughs> so they go back and the creeper, the male nurse comes to and the, the creeper is floating there over the kid, making sure that no one is going to harm the child. Well, they get the child down um, from and away from the spirit. And that's how the Waverly creeper is said to have been created. Okay. And yeah. so we're going to see him? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> maybe. I've still yet to see the creeper. But you have, uh, you have not seen him yet. I've not seen the creeper. Um, I have seen. Uh, I've played ball with Timmy. And we'll get into Timmy here in a second. Um, okay. I've played ball with Timmy. I have been um, burned in line. Burned? Uh, 
Yeah, I got burned on my wrist um, at Waverly. Um, nice. Yeah, I know. Really fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm really selling you on this. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> coming away with that kind of thing though is is very rare. Um, let's see here. I've gotten fifty music, fifties music on an EVP. Um, oh my god, that's my favorite. That's so. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it was it was on the fifth floor. I've set an EVP up while we were investigating the dining hall, and Can you I explain came back. what an what an EVP is for yes. anyone who might not know. So an EVP is electronic voice phenomenon. Okay. So an EVP is you put a a tape recorder down or some sort of electrical device, electronic device, and um, what you do is you keep it on play and you ask questions. Now, sometimes, if you're lucky, you might actually get an audible response. But most of the time, the EVP is set to where you won't hear it until you get back to the uh, – until you hit rewind and play it. Okay. So, for example, my very first EVP I ever got, and we didn't hear it at the time. We were at a cemetery in Fisherville. And – this was really kind of when I started to become on my path to join the ghost hunters and things like that. So the, the, the cemetery were there and I explained, I know my name is Gary, you know, this is my friend Stacy. And, you know, I think her friend Raven was there and we had a couple other people. So you always want to introduce yourself to be polite. And so I'm asking questions and I asked like five questions and nothing Nothing audible happened and nothing physical happened. So we didn't have leaves rustling or anything like that. When we go back and we play it, we, we go back and we play it. And I said, we're right around the third question. It, I get a response. Of course, you know, you don't hear it at the time. That's very important. I think people with EVPs think that you're going to hear it no matter what. No, you're only going to hear it on playback unless you get an audible response in real time. So, when I played it back, we were in the car, and it said, Gary, go away. Clear uh, as day. No. Yes. So Ooh, that was I my very first. like you. Yeah. I, and, you know, I'm such a personable person. I don't know what, what his problem was. Wow. But, you know, but, um, but, yeah, so it was very exciting uh, to be told to go away by a ghost. That kind of thing sticks with a guy. That makes you just want to go set EVPs all over town and just talk to ghosts all day, doesn't it? That's the kind of thing that makes you want to go back. Well, and then something in my sick twisted head was like, okay, I'm going to leave this guy alone, but I'm going to go and all these other ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, But so that's what an EVP is. So, you know, I've gotten an EVP, uh, the 50s music. I've got burned, I've played ball with Timmy. I've seen the doppelgangers at Waverly. Uh, that's a fun story. Um, so a doppelganger, for those in the audience, a doppelganger is someone who looks like another person who's in the building or who's in your vicinity, but it's not them. And doppelgangers are very are very common in Waverly. So when we go, for example, there may be a spirit that I encounter that looks like you, but it's not you. Does that make sense? That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So, so there could, there could be two Jessies when we go there. I don't know if the world's ready for that. 
But uh, but yeah, so um, probably one of the most famous stories besides the nurse is a boy named Timmy. Well, Timmy was a patient, and Timmy passed away. However, Timmy likes to play ball with people. It's simple as that. On the third floor, there's a ball that Tina, that the owner puts there, and you, if you, it's a still kind of, it's a level hallway. There's no wind coming through in the corners. You roll the ball, and if Timmy wants to play, he'll roll the ball back. And okay, if, I think I've heard about this one. Yeah, and it's a, just a really fun. It's kind of sad because it's a kid, but you're playing with the kid, so it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so this is the point in time where I'm going to flip it around on you here. Okay. What are your expectations? What do you want to see? What 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 is kind of your first time at Waverly? What do you envision? Well, the last time I went to a haunted house, like, you know, a fake haunted house, I used to chicken out there Mm -hmm. about five minutes in. (laughs) Um, But I was young. I'm older now. I'm wiser. And, um, you know, I'm excited about just the building itself. Um, It's just so big and mysterious and... You know, I'm sure that I'll just have, like, goosebumps walking around, and um, I don't know. I really, I don't have expectations. I, I've i never really done anything like it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun. You know, we're going to have a bunch of people with us, and it's going to be a lot of people from where I work. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good experience, and, you know, I, I, I think your audience will be interested you know, for the recap show, right? So, um, I, and I think it'll be, I think it's one of those things where you're, you're going to see, you're probably more than likely going to see something. And that's something, Mayor, have you ever seen a ghost before in real life? I don't think I have. Okay. Have you ever encountered anything weird or? I have. Um, I photograph a lot of houses for real estate and I've definitely walked into certain homes where like um, there was one like last summer I walked into the basement and this one room had a train, um, you know, like a train set up in it and it was really ornate and obviously someone spent a lot of time down there and that I just got this like very strong feeling that I was not alone down there. Um, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, just had this feeling. And I'm not, I'm not like a very, I'm not like that. Like I'm not a ghosty person. Um, but I've definitely walked into houses and felt like I wasn't alone, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. That makes plenty of sense. And you know, frankly, you probably weren't alone. (laughs) So, um, it's probably one of those things where there was something there and in the Ohio Valley in general, there's tons of stories. You know, you've covered quite a few of them um, on your show, you know, and it's, you know, it's something about this area and, it, you know, the, the energy kind of around this area just promotes the hell out of this kind of stuff. And we have it everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I, Waverly is going to be, it's going to be a fun trip. Um, the one thing that they don't ask you to do 
They don't ask you to provoke. And what provoking is, is making fun of a ghost. Probably not a good idea, but people do it. I wouldn't dream of it. So, but, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, like, you know. You have to respect them. I mean, yeah, you got to respect them, you know. But now there are some instances where we use provoking, um, but you don't do it at Waverly because it never ends well. Um, But, uh, you know, in some instances, you, if you're trying to help a family out and you really know that there's some sort of spirit there. Like in a personal home. You mean. Yeah, in a personal yeah. home, provoking can be a very useful tool, but you don't do it away really. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> so. Do you have a favorite ghost there? At Waverly? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if a favorite ghost, but playing ball with Timmy's kind of fun. I was going to say, you sounded pretty yeah. happy about Timmy. <laughs> yeah, t- playing, playing ball with Timmy's kind of fun. I mean, uh, you know, my favorite my favorite Waverly story, however, is, you know, when I encountered the doppelganger, I was there with my friend Melanie, uh, <clears throat> her husband and her brother. And this was my first time meeting her husband and her brother. And um, we were walking, I think, on the third floor. And... You know, I didn't realize how fast I was walking, you know, because the places you'll see, it's easy to get lost in front of your own steps. Right. So have you ever been walking? So if you've been walking so fast, but you didn't realize it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fast walker in general. So, yes. Yeah. It, you know, you can do that really easily at Waverly because of how big it is and the places play the the size and just the shadows of the place. Not the, necessarily the shadow people that are everywhere, but the shadows itself, just from natural stuff. You can kind of get lost in your own in your own way there. Well, okay, don't lose me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we're not gonna. No, no. Uh, see, it's this elaborate setup. Where we're all gonna get there, <laughs> and we're gonna be like, okay, everybody, go to the fourth floor. You know, we're going to, we're going to take, we're going to walk Jesse around and let her get the lay of the land. And then we're going to break. And then everybody's just going to leave and you're just going to be there by yourself. It's going to be fun. Oh, I would be one unhappy camper. <laughs> but so we're sitting there walking and, and, and I'm walking ahead and I don't realize I'm ahead. So I do turn, however, to my left and I see Melanie's brother and I'm sitting there like, you know, what? what what do I, I don't know this guy, you know, we're sitting here in the most haunted place in the world. My first time ever meeting this guy. And the first, the best question I can come up with to her brother, <laughs> not her husband, her brother. Is, so, so how long have you known Melanie? So, but, you know, because clearly that answers my whole life, but you know, I didn't know what the hell else to say. Yeah. So I, I turned back to ask the question, you know, how long have you known Melanie? Can I get a chuckle? Yeah. Her brother, her brother's not there. Not oh there. Oh my God. And so I holler back and I don't know how far ahead I am in front of them. Keep in mind. And I hear an echo in my response. So I'm like, that's not good. That means they're like a hundred yards behind me. And she's like, Gary, we're way back here. And I'm like, that's not the answer I wanted to hear, Bellamy. I'm sorry because your brother was just up here walking with me. No, he's been back here with us. Wow, that's crazy. And that's yeah. something that a lot of people have experienced there. Yeah, yeah. That wow. Doppelgangers are a frequent thing there. 
is that is that something that has happened at other places or is that kind oh. of unique to yeah it, it's kind of it's happened before i mean it's it happened enough to where people you know know the term doppelganger and i, I think it it's interesting to note where it does happen but certainly you know, Waverly is kind of interesting. I think the first time that you and I had the Zoom call uh, with a couple of the other people that were going, um, one of the things about Waverly is it's where you can experience all three types of haunts. And uh, that's, you know, a time warp to haunt where, you know, it's everything's kind of caught in the past. You know, we, we proved that with the 50s music EVPs that we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people see photos of uh, of nurses that are still dressed and and dress attire, so they're caught in like the that that hit that era, right? That that era, that history. Yeah. And then there's you know intelligent haunts, which you know Timmy is obviously a great example of an intelligent haunt. Mm-hmm. And then there's the shadow people there, which are residual haunts. And I think that um, you know it's those are your big three type of haunts, and they all happen at Waverly. And that's another very interesting aspect about Waverly because very rarely do you find a place where all three happen. Wow. I'm just so excited. So do they do, do they do a, an, like a fake haunted house ever where they really overdo things? Yeah, they do that. Um, And uh, they put people in the morgue. So, (laughs) The, in in the morgue, they so need they, therapy after that, right? So what they do is they do their own little silly haunted house, you know, kind of like going anywhere else. And then you go to the morgue, and they tell you that you're the only person in the morgue, but you're not. And, and there's no like no figures, no, no like action figures, or you know, no discombobulating lights or anything down there. But there are almost certainly people down there banging on the pipes. And they do that to keep you disoriented. But they tell you when you go in, this is the natural sounds of Waverly. I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's your natural sounds. You need to get your plumbing checked because <laughs> this is not normal. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, they, they do that. And they got people down there banging on the pipes with wood and stuff like that. But you sound like you're all, not thrilled about this. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's one of those fun. things where it's like, why, why do that when it's all, when the real yeah. thing is so amazing? Yeah, like you've got the most haunted place in the world. You yeah. don't need to. <laughs> hey, you know what we should do? We should make it lamer, not better. We should make it lamer. This works. This is what people do. But I, I think that I and I understand why they do it. You know, they do it to disorient you a little bit. But it's kind of like saying you're the richest person in the world. But yet, you want more. You want more money. You know, right, like, right. No, it's not how that works. So, but it's it's an interesting place, and you're going to have a good time. And it's it's going to be, and, and hopefully by then I'll be able to talk. So it'll be good. It'll <laughs> you it'll be fun. fine. You sound oh, fine well, to I appreciate me. It. Yeah. Um. So, is there anything? What does a person do to prepare for a night at Waverly? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Oh, that's my favorite kind of night. No, um, just show up. No, uh, energy drinks are are good. You know, you want some equipment. We're gonna have two way radios because sometimes the cell service in there is kind of spotty. Um, and if something happens, you want you know to be on response. So two way radios are by far the best way to communicate, and it makes you feel like you're in Jurassic Park. 
Yes, so there's I love it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you've got that. You've got some equipment. You know, I'm going to bring a few, a uh, few items. I've got a laser. I'm going to bring. Um, I've got a, a, you know, a couple EMF readers, uh, which measures electromagnetic fields, which usually get uh, manipulated when the spirit is about to manifest or something's going to happen. Um, of course, EVPs and cameras and. We're, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be fun. But yeah, main, the main thing is we're going to try to stay up with, with, you know, energy drinks, you know, we've got energy like focus, for example, I've got focus, which is a great energy drink. Yeah. If your audience out there, you know, haven't tried it, I suggest you try it. They've got a ton of different flavors. So I'm going to have like, I'm going to buy like 40 of them for everybody going. <laughs> Our heart is going to explode, Jesse. That's what's going to happen. I can't wait. I can't uh-huh. wait for my heart to explode at Wayland. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, uh, so is there anything that you want to plug while I've got you here? Um, no, I think I think that covers it. You know, I'm right now. I'm kind of, um, you know, you I'm writing? not really. It, I, not really. Uh, I write for the paper at the at the place, but I am writing notes down uh, for maybe something in the future. But right now, I'm right now I'm. Uh, you know, I, I had this great idea for a, for a children's book. I'm um, just yes. needing an artist. If I'll tell you what, if there's someone out there who's an artist, reach out to me because I've got a great idea for a children's book that was inspired when my child came home from the from the hospital. So, Aww. if someone out there is got a is an artist, hit me up. I have a business proposition for you. Love it. All right. That's awesome. But other than that, right now, right now I'm not really writing, uh, but other than note taking and getting ready, I'm getting ready for something, but uh, I'm not there yet. All right. Well, I'll have to have you back on whenever you, whenever yeah. you are. Well, well, I hope, I hope I'll be back on after so I can kind of interview you about our experiences at Waverly. Yes, absolutely. If you're willing to do that with me, I would love that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, to be the very first person to interview you, you know, this has kind of been a synopsis, but the, our, your next episode is going to be like people interviewing us, interviewing you on how your experience was. Ooh, I'm going to be a changed girl after this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of like the brief, sad, but, you know, kind of sarcastic history of Waverly. So. All right. Well, Gary, thank you so much for doing this. That was really fun. And I'm, I'm excited to go into this more armed with a little, little more knowledge now. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, like, I'm sarcastic and kind of make it sound funny because I used to be on the radio. So I like to kind of con- connect to the audience with humor and sarcasm and stuff like that. But don't, I don't want you, anyone in your audience to think, and I don't want you to think this, and I know you don't, but I'm just saying. I don't want people to think that I don't take this seriously and, and respectfully. I'm the most, I'm probably one of the most respectful people when we're in the actual building uh, and things are going to go down. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that you just be respectful of the situation, but how I connect to people is mainly in humor. And, and, you know, because when you have, when you have a history like you have with Waverly or anything like that, you know, yes, terrible things happen, but, there's no reason that you have to be sad yourself with doing it. And that's kind of like my way of narration, I guess, is 
that that bit of humor to kind of connect to the yes it's sad but here's a quick laugh you know that kind of thing so Absolutely. And I, I say it often or probably not as often as I should, but it's like with any other topic that I talk about on the podcast or, you know, anything that I have these interests in, you know, that are historic and sometimes they're tragic, but we're talking about them and keeping them alive. And like if, if people like us weren't weren't interested in this stuff and making an effort to talk about it and, and have it continue on in spoken word, um, what would happen to it? You know, so you know, I don't know, but I, I, I understand. And I, I'm sure that, you know, the people that are listening to this podcast are absolutely going to understand too. Yeah. And, and it's going to be fun. And it's, uh, I'm looking forward to the next part of this, uh, after you've been to Waverly to kind of see what your, you know, your audience to see how your experience was. I think it's going to be a blast. Yeah, so if you guys listening have anything that you want to, if you want to share your story with me before I go, or, you know, anytime, send me an email, kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. I want to hear from you guys, too. So tell me, uh, tell me your stories. Tell me what to expect. Tell me what to avoid. Also. <laughs> um, and Gary, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Jesse. And I- I'm a big fan of yours as well. So thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. See you soon. I do so appreciate you all listening to another episode of the podcast. I have a quick announcement. I'll be taking a little Kentucky road trip the second week of June. A couple places I'll be passing through, Richmond, Berea, Somerset, Springfield, um, and I'll kind of be just moving all over the place. So if you all have any suggestions for places I need to see, things I need to do while I'm down there, Uh, You can let me know via social media, or as always, you can send an email to kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. Also, I'm getting pretty good at keeping the website updated. So if you ever want more photos or extra information and links to go along with past episodes, you can go to kyhistoryhaunts.com. I think that's all I've got for now. I can't wait to share the post-Waverly interview with you all. Um, So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, once again, thank you all so much for sharing the podcast with your friends and subscribing and leaving reviews and following on social. I greatly appreciate all of that. So thank you. Thank you. And until next time.